This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Utopia Football Podcast is here. It is a bi-week version of the mailbag episode of the podcast the Jacksonville game in the books 13 to 6 the final score John and I broke that one down already for you in the Monday episode you're getting this on Wednesday if you're listening if you download and subscribe it's landing in your inbox on Wednesday and we appreciate you tuning in we're going to do two episodes this week we're three episodes this week this is the second one so we still got a full week of episodes this week even with the bye week coming up um, as we welcome you in, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, and of course joined as always by the Hall of Famer, my good friend, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com as well, John McClain. John, how we doing? Pumped up? I'm for, doing. Pumped up for playoff baseball, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely, Sean. I've been watching all the games, uh, not not just the Mariners. Um, and the Blue Jays, knowing that the winner would play the Astros. But I'm fired up about all of them. And I think a lot of fans are, too. When your team is good and has a chance to win it all, to me, it gets you more fired up about everything. And it's been a long time since – well, it hasn't been a long time. It's amazing that the Texans played a playoff game in 2020. Barely 2020, but that Kansas City game was 2020. And now because the Astros – are so good and have a chance to go to the World Series. I'm excited. And because I'm working for Gallery Sports, I can write whatever I want. So I'm going to write two, I'm going to write two Astros columns this week because to me, you cannot go wrong with the Astros. Not right now, that's for sure. Uh, you know, John, we'll get into our football questions here in just a second. It's our mailbag edition of the show. And by the way, if you if you've never emailed us a question before, but you'd like to hear John and I talk about uh, a topic really, as John mentions, Astros, Texans, NFL, anything, mailbag at gmail.com gets that job done. You can email us, mailbag at gmail.com. Um, yeah, before we get into the football, John, I was talking about this with Seth Payne this morning on our show, and this this is as good as I felt about the Astros going into a postseason. I realize, And we're recording this prior to – game one of the ALDS. So who knows, by the time people are listening to this, maybe Justin Verlander got shelled. Um, but we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday about lunchtime. And just in general about the Astros, if you think back to each of the playoff runs since 2017, they've, been, they've obviously been a great team all those years, but they've gone into the postseason with at least one kind of major issue or injury. You know, in 2017, I think the issue was 
probably well, inexperienced, but but probably Ken Giles. The wheels were kind of coming off on him to where they didn't have a closer for most of the postseason that year because he he was so bad. 2018, Jose Altuve was injured going into the postseason. He had surgery the day after the ALCS ended. 2019, uh, Correa was kind of banged up. Jordan had his rookie postseason baptism, which was which was awful. He only had four extra base hits the whole postseason. 2020 was the COVID year, so they were missing Verlander and Jordan with injuries. And then last year, Bregman was banged up. I can't think of a really major issue with this team unless you count Michael Brantley as a major issue, but I feel like they've had time to kind of adapt to that. And even when he's healthy, he's probably their fifth or sixth at best offensive player. I feel pretty good about where this team is right now. Starts with pitching, pitching wins in the playoffs. The Astros have seven starters they can count on. They're healthy. The Astros were pitching staff was healthier than any staff in Major League Baseball this season, and kudos to them, but to also the trainers and doctors who had to have done an outstanding job helping keep those guys healthy. And the toughest decision Dusty Baker has is who's going to who's going to be the third starter, who's going to be in the pen. I'm glad they left Maton. They said he got hurt and Will Smith off the roster, and uh, uh, I'm so glad they kept Abreu, who's pitched great. Hunter Brown, 0890 ERA. That guy showed he can start or he can pitch in long or short relief. So I'm confident like you are, and it's hard to believe they haven't had Verlander for the last two years. Yeah, and yet and yet they've gotten to the to the ALCS last game, and then they got to the sixth game of the World Series last year. And considering how great he's been on six days rest, I feel very confident about him, not uh, just throughout the first series, but, you know, there's always a chance, as we saw with the Mariners, we saw with the Phillies, we saw with the Padres, the Astros could be upset. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a short series, too. The shorter the series, the better chance – that the underdog has to, to make hay. So, um, but excited that it's here postseason. It's really, I mean, we're really lucky that not only that postseason baseball has been a part of our lives for the last six years, but that we can count on this team for the last five years. You can count on them getting to at least the ALCS. I mean, these have been, these have been deep playoff runs. That's why there's so many Astros, John, near the top of the all time leaderboard in so many categories. So Jose Altuve is second in the history of baseball in postseason home runs, which speaks to two things. One, Jose Altuve's greatness, but two, this team plays a ton of postseason games in an era where the the playoffs are set up for you to play more games, obviously, than their predecessors did when only four teams made it. And at the time, only two teams made it way back in the day. But it's it's really remarkable that some of these Astros that we're watching right now are going to go down as some of the all-time postseason greats in the history of the game. I think it's also interesting. I think uh, Matt Young had this on – uh, Texas Sports Nation, the Chronicles website about Astros who are in the playoffs on other teams. This was going into the wild card round. It's amazing how many players are not on this team, but they're playing with other teams. You know, they hate the Astros when they're on the Astros, but they love them when they're on their team. Yeah. One of them that is not in the postseason, which will feel weird, feel a little bit weird, is Carlos Correa. Twins didn't make it, and he's supposedly, John, going to be doing the studio show for TBS in game two for the uh, Astros and the Mariners series. I think Carlos Correa will be tremendous on TV. You know, he's got three one-year deals with the twins. He made 35 million. He can opt out, but right now who would pay him more money than that? He didn't have that kind of season other than average. 
he was not appreciably better than Jeremy Pena. He was not. He was not offensively or defensively. Did Jeremy Pena had a good defensive year for the Astros too? And I, John, we can't just brush by the Phil Maton thing. You saw how he got hurt. Did you hear about how he got hurt? No, I did not hear. He punched his locker after the final game of the season because of how he performed in that game, which, by the way, included a hit by his younger brother off of him. He punched his locker and broke his hand. He's done for the year. Wow. <laughs> what a stupid injury. I don't I'd be surprised if he'd been on the roster anyway. I, mean, I do I would be too. Who would they have who would they have knocked off if he'd have been healthy? I just don't see anybody. I don't either, unless they just wanted to make sure they were loaded up on actual relievers instead of having six starters on there with you know two of them posing as relievers during the postseason. But I'd rather have Urquidy and, and Garcia, I think, are both comfortable pitching in relief. So, so is Javier. Javier's yeah, Javier. But I don't want Javier as a relief. Javier has elevated himself. I He's too good right now. Don't jerk around with him. He's your fourth starter. Let him start. He's been that great. John, if he had enough innings, he would be chasing Verlander in most of these categories for league leadership. Was I tell you, he should have been starting more. Maybe, maybe. I'm, it's, it's, it is an embarrassment of riches on this team. Tough decisions. Work. Which good pitcher do you want to start? Katie, he, wasn't he 2-0 and in the World Series last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. John Hunter Brown's been tremendous since he came up. He's basically going to be a setup guy for them. Like, it's incredible. It really is. All right, let's get into some of our mailbag questions. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. As you can tell, John and I love mixing in the Astros talk, though. Um, and, we, John, excuse me, we should point out the Texans beat the Jaguars for their first victory of the season. They did. They did, yeah. So so they're 1-3-1 they're one, and one right now. Hey, they're better than five other teams in the NFL right now. If the draft were to be tomorrow, the Texans would be picking sixth in the draft. And don't worry, we've got plenty of questions about the Texans and the direction they should go in the draft, even though it's only week six of the regular season. John, before we get to some of those questions, though, what did you think of the Texans offering up a 44% credit for uh, for jerseys from <clears throat> players that were acquired via the draft and free agency between 2017 and 2021? <laughs> I think it would have been hilarious if they had waited to do this before the Browns came here, but that would have been classless. So they didn't do it, but it sure would have been funny. Um, they made TMZ. You saw that. No, because of that. Yes. The, the, the Jersey promotion made TMZ. They had Cal's video that, that, you know, was announcing this promotion that I'm assuming ran on the Texans Twitter page and website. They had it embedded in the story. I saw Cal and Hannah out at the, um, Texans media combine yesterday. And I told, I was the one who told Cal he had not heard that he had made TMZ. His face lit up his eyes, his eyes lit up. He was very excited because I think part of this 44% credit was to get that sort of attention. You know, it's not, it's not a classless thing to do. I don't know if it's the classiest thing to do, but the feelings, the bunged up feelings between the, the Texans and their former quarterback are quite understandable. And I thought this was a very, very good and clever way to express their feelings on this. Well, also, they've had a lot of stars on this team. I don't think there's going to be many J.J. Watt exchanges, probably. Well, they can't. They can't. It's got to be someone acquired 2017 or oh, later. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, let's see. That rolls out Hopkins, Clowney. Uh, Dude. Could, be, could be Tyron Matthew. He was, he was signed in 18, but. 
Justin Reed, I'm assuming a few will come back with him because yeah. I used to see a lot of Justin Reeds. I love, I'd hang on to Justin. I thought Justin was a good player and a class act and a great interview. I agree. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, John, let's get into some of these. And in fact, I set this up perfectly because the first question we got was about the jersey swap from Kenny and Spring Branch. He says, which current Texans player jersey will get purchased the most during the great jersey swap of 2022? He gives the jersey swap proper noun status with capital letters. Great jersey swap of 2022. Who's going to be the most popular jersey that people are getting, John? This week, without a doubt, Damian Pierce, number one, Derek Stingley, number two. And I'm guessing, just guessing, number three would be Jalen Petrie. Yeah, those are the three. I put up a poll, John, uh, when this thing was announced, this this jersey swap thing was announced. And I said, which you're going to swap out a jersey, which one are you getting? And those are the three that I chose. And then I had a fifth choice or a fourth choice for other. And it tells me I chose the right three because other only got 4% of the vote. What percentage of the vote? Out of 100%, do you think Derek St- or do you think uh, Damian Pierce got? Well, first of all, I voted for Petrie for obvious reasons. Yes. I think that uh, uh, since you put it up yesterday, when did you shut it off? Uh, it's probably shut off this afternoon, but it's a percentage, John. It doesn't matter about yeah, you. Yeah, know. I would say he's about, let's see, 60, that he'd be close to 60%. He was right at 60%, John. Yeah, Damian Pierce was right at 60%. That's a great guess. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – you're right. This is the week to get a Damian Pierce jersey. And, by the way, I mentioned that to Cal. He's like, yeah, he's like, we got we to gotta load up on these Pierce jerseys. We loaded up on Stingley and Petrie before the season because they were first and second-round picks. You know, we, we didn't know we had this in Damian Pierce. Yeah, well, he should have listened to me, and he would have known. He should have. I think he listens to you, John, and that he hears you on the radio, but he might not listen to all of your advice. That's the thing. Yeah. He should, and he might have more wins, like I would have said. In the first game, give the ball to Damian Pierce, not Rex bleeping Burkhead. So do we think that if Damian Pierce had carried the ball more than Burkhead, it would have been worth one bleeping point? Yes, they would have beaten the Colts. Um, John, you want some stats that I, that I unearthed off of Pro Please. Football Focus? I love your stats. Okay, so here are some stats for you. Of course, we know the old number 31 was David Johnson. So it's still a little unsettling for me. As I was watching Damian Pierce break seven tackles on one play, I said, man, this is still unsettling for me to see someone wearing number 31 actually breaking tackles in an NFL football game. We'd become accustomed to watching jersey number 31 plummet to the ground at the mere touch of human contact. And as it turns out, my feelings were justified. I went to Pro Football Focus, and here's what I learned. In 24 games as a Houston Texan, David Johnson broke – 29 tackles in the run game in five games with the Texans. Damian Pierce has broken 33 tackles. He's broken. <laughs> oh, four. that's a great stat. He's broken. Four. I got one more after this, John. He's broken four more tackles in five games than David Johnson did in his whole Texans career on rushes. I don't know what it looks like when they catch passes, but that's your running back. That's remarkable. Here's an even better one, John in 2021 for the entire season, David Johnson broke seven tackles. 
on Damian Pierce's 20-yard run to the two-yard line, he broke seven tackles. He broke as many tackles on one play as David Johnson broke the entire year last year for the Texans. Oh, man, don't you miss David Johnson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a, like the plague. Uh <laughs> So I thought you'd get a kick out of those uh, out of those numbers. All right. Dave Howard says, is it a given that if Davis Mills isn't the guy that the Texans should use a top 10 pick on a QB? Do you realize over half the QBs in the NFL right now were taken outside the top 10? Is it a given if Davis Mills is not the guy, John, that the Texans go quarterback with one of their one one of their first two picks? I would think it'd be the first one. It's a really good year for quarterback in the draft. According to all the draft experts, starting with C.J. Stroud, who threw six touchdown passes Saturday against Michigan State. And uh, so, yes, if Mills doesn't turn it around, then uh, they'll have to do that. But I'll tell you something that bothers me. Pip Hamilton, I think his play calling, all those short passes and stuff, run first. Uh, I don't know what decade he's coaching in, but to me, do you want him calling plays for a quarterback picked high in the first round of the draft? Yeah, Pep's, Pep's been bad. He's been yeah, bad. I don't, I'd like last year, Davis Mills had the highest rating of anybody throwing passes 20 or more yards. Now they don't even throw it 20 or more yards. Did he just get bad in the offseason? But for whatever reason, they're scared to let him throw the ball down the field. Yeah, and I don't think they're not getting open. Like Brandon Cooks' numbers stink. I don't think I don't think Brandon Cooks all of a sudden at age 29 became a bad wide receiver or that he couldn't get open. The dude keeps himself in incredible shape. He's a super hard worker. You just signed him to a big deal. I that the Brandon Cooks thing is unsettling to me right now. Just how how insignificant he's been in this offense so far this year. Davis Mills is the worst third down quarterback in the NFL. His rating of fifty one is so bad it is eight points less than Baker Mayfield oh next to worst. Oh, and, and Baker and Baker has been just putrid this year and he has no touchdown passes and i looked up what he was last year i have these stats in my uh texans observations on sports radio 610.com in the the uh last year he was pretty good mm -hmm. on third down not great but pretty good yeah this year he's been terrible um th this is interesting though these are back-to-back -back emails and this one comes from joe um, who it's sort of the same question, you know, better chance of Nick trading back or doing whatever it takes to get a QB. You kind of answered that. I just thought I, I thought I'd share these, these observations that Joe had with the audience. Cause I, I found him interesting. He said, if you look at active quarterbacks and ask who's going to the hall of fame, Aaron Rodgers was a first rounder, but a late first rounder. Brady was a six rounder. Russell Wilson was a third rounder. If you look at the active sack leaders and ask who's going to the hall of fame, I think they were all first round picks. He doesn't list them. That feels right. If you look at the active touchdown receptions list and you ask who's going to the Hall of Fame, they are heavily first rounders. I believe the most likely path, this is Joe talking, not me. I believe the most likely path for the Texans to get to the AFC championship game and certainly for winning the AFC South is to sign Jimmy G and load up on quality at other positions. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Jimmy G, give me a break. Jimmy G. But does do the uh, I mean, you're a Hall of Fame voter, John. You're on the committee. Is, is there anything that resonates with you about? I think that the point Joe is making is that quarterback is a much more inexact science, even at the top of the draft, than other positions. I was like, it's easier to predict 
sack leaders and impact wide receivers than it is quarterbacks at the top of the draft. It depends on who's coaching them, what the system is. Do you have good coaches? Do you have an impatient owner that's making a guy have a different uh, system every year with different terminology? You know, there have there been some great quarterbacks taken high in the first round? Well, let's see. There was Terry Bradshaw, Peyton Manning, John Elway. There's some guys like that mm-hmm. that weren't too shabby. So there have been some great quarterbacks going high in the first round. Just because they're not good right now doesn't mean it's because of them. So many times, Sean, I see quarterbacks that come out of college that everybody rates them high. And then when they get in the NFL, there's no stability or they don't have good people coaching them. And then system's not good. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't understand why more people don't Make sure, I don't care what it costs, you have a proven offensive coordinator who's proved himself as a play caller, multiple levels in the NFL, instead of taking a chance on somebody that he might do a good job. Given that, John, and given the fact that the Texans just got done holding Trevor holding Trevor Lawrence, air quotes, to six points, where are you with Trevor Lawrence right now? Like, uh, this is a mini for real or Fugazi, John. Trevor Lawrence is a future Pro Bowl quarterback. For real or Fugazi? Yeah, uh, for real. Everybody said he's a generational quarterback. Everybody. Could everybody be wrong? Has he quit working hard? Did all of a sudden he lose his ability? He threw some bad passes. He overthrew receivers. Fourth and short, and they have him go deep down the right side. That's terrible play calling. Mm. People talk about Doug Peterson as some magician. He didn't he didn't coach Nick Foles. Nick Foles was coached by Frank Reich. And Frank Reich's getting a new quarterback every year, and he can't do anything with him. By the way, Andrew Luck wasn't too shabby as a first overall pick either. Yeah. So it it's not where they're picked. It's it's who's coaching them. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a hell of a quarterback. Two games in a row, he looked great. Then he had the four fumbles against Philadelphia in bad weather, and then the Texans beat him up for a third time in a row. All right, John, let's keep it moving. Uh, Derwin in Cyprus gives us a for real or Fugazi. A couple years in, where are you at on Nick Casario? Is he for real or Fugazi as a general manager right now? Well, nobody knows that right now. That's a dumb – sorry. That's (laughs) that's a dumb question because the guy has been a general manager here for one year and – Five games. We're not what's your, what's your like but John, what's your, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll reframe. I think it. Nick knows what he's doing. I yeah. like it. They just had four rookies on the all rookie team at this point on the athletic. And they got a really, really good blocking fullback. Who's an undrafted free agent. And it's not just Nick. It's as he told us in a news conference on Tuesday, he went over all his personnel people starting with James Lipford about how good they've done. But I think Nick knows what he's doing. Yeah, I do too. That's that's why I was going to reframe it by saying, what's your optimism level about Casario as a GM? It sounds like the green arrow is still pointed up for you on Nick Casario. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I, I'm with you on that. Um, Follow-up from Derwin. Should Cal take a trip down to the ranch and talk Kubiak into becoming an advisor to the offense like they did when they hired Dan Reeves back in the day? <laughs> That'd be something because Gary's system is totally the opposite. Uh, yeah, they, if they're doing that, then Pep Hamilton's gone. <laughs> Be better call him up and ask him to come run the offense, but no, that's not going to happen. All right, let's keep it moving here. Derwin, we always appreciate the questions. I love it when we get a question from Buffalo. Dave in Buffalo, guys, what is your opinion on Thursday night football? It seems like the games aren't that good, 
And with the number of concussions we've seen this year, it's showing that playing on Thursday night might not be a great idea. Interested to hear your thoughts and keep up the great work. I think that's interesting, John, just because the last two Thursday night games, there have been major, major striking visuals from concussions in those games. Now, I don't think the Naeem Hines concussion had anything to do with him playing on a Thursday night. I don't think. I don't know what kind of hits he took in the game before that. The Tua thing is interesting, though, that he had the undiagnosed concussion on Sunday, and then he comes back on Thursday on a hit that wasn't – I mean, I, it didn't look like he hit the ground with his head all that hard, but it sent him into fencing shock. Um, I guess just in general, John, Thursday night football. Where are you at on Thursday night football? We know it's not going anywhere. They just got a billion dollars from Amazon for the package. They got a really good one coming up Thursday night. It's going to be the best of the year. Who is it? Bear, Bears versus the Commanders. Oh, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> and uh, the uh, concussion playing on Thursday night didn't have Jack to do with squat. Mm-hmm. You know, he was shouldn't have been out there. He wouldn't have been out there if he'd have played the following Sunday. And there's no more concussions now than there have been. But uh, it's just that two has gotten so much attention. And then ridiculous column, Teddy Bridgewater, who somebody fell asleep and dreamed that he got a hit and pulled him after one play. And nobody could see anything when they watched the replay. And it cost them a game. So they're, they're being overly cautious. Can you imagine Tom Brady gets pulled on the first first uh, play of a game, what that would do to them, or Patrick Mahomes last night. So I don't know what they do about it. They're being leaning way to the wrong way, just like those two preposterous roughing calls in the last two days were just ridiculous. Those were absurd. And then there's the roughing call that Devontae Adams didn't get when he threw that cameraman to the ground. That should have been a roughing call. Yeah, and he guy's gone filed a police report. He's going to sue him, and they were uh, they announced that it, his injury wasn't life threatening. <laughs> I saw that, <laughs> John. I glanced at that on a push notification on my phone, and all I saw I could tell that it was about that incident because I saw Devonte Adams' name, but all I saw were the words "life threatening," and I'm like, "What? Hold on, what the hell is going on?" He fell on his ass. Like, what if he'd have pushed me like that, I would have writhing on the ground. Oh, I'd yeah. have been holding my back, oh. holding my head. Yeah. Oh, I would have been thinking about those zeros added to the check. You think that guy gets paid, John? You think he makes a little money off the NFL on that? Well, he it was a physical thing. Yeah. And I think that he will uh, have a lawyer and all of a sudden it'll be settled. Yeah, yeah, probably so. So that's a yes. He is going to get something. Yes, I think he'll get some money out of it. All right. Uh, Lauren in Greenway Plaza, we love the female participation. John, I love your report cards. Can you give your report card on the 2021 uh, draft class just 22 games into their careers right now? Right now, Lauren, I go back to last week. The Athletic did, you know, you can't do a quarter and a half anymore, but four games in, they did an all-rookie team, and the Texans had four. And if they had a fullback, uh, uh, Harris might have been five. And uh, and I'm amazed, too, how much Big Heine's playing. Mm -hmm. He's playing as much as Roy Lopez is playing. So they, I would think right now, Based on what we've seen these guys, I'd give them an A. Yeah, the, the, she was asking about the 2021 class, John. Oh, Sorry. the 2021 The Davis class. Mills class, yeah. Yeah, well, last year at this time, I would have given them a better grade. Nico Collins has been terrific. Um, so I'd probably give them uh, 
C minus. Yeah, I, I, you know, John, that class, if I'm grading them right now, Nico looks like he's turning into a player. Roy Lopez is what he is. He's a rotational defensive lineman. Um, uh, Garrett Wallow, if he could stay healthy, I think Garrett Wallow can be a productive player for this team. He had a good game on Sunday. Davis is Davis. That's almost like a whole separate thing because of the position he plays. And Brevin Jordan can't stay healthy. I, if they, but these guys were all picked third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. You know, none of them were, none of them, the, you know, Kenyon Green, Derek Stingley, uh, John Mechie, Jalen Petrie, those guys were all picked in their draft before Davis Mills, the, the Texans' first pick in 2021 was picked. I say all that to say I'd probably give it a better grade than a C minus just based on it's a bunch of guys who are being drafted in spots where the expectations are very low and they're going to come away with three or four guys who are contributors in this class. Well, if she'd asked me this then the last year, I'd have given him a higher grade, but because yeah. Mills has been a huge disappointment. Yep. Yep. And and jo- Brevin Jordan, people had high hopes for him. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt. When he's healthy, I don't I wouldn't take him over Jordan Akins, who's made a big play in each of his three games. And uh um and then OJ Howard had two touchdowns in that first game. So I'm just talking about now. Yeah, I think we're gonna see more of Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris. And I don't know why Neville Neville Hewitt, who made two big plays in that game, is not playing over some of those vets. But we're going to see more of Wallow and Harris because they're the future. Yeah, Christian Kirksey, I'm fine with him playing. I get it. He's a a guy with the green dot on his helmet. He's the leader of the defense. Kama Grugier-Hill, if he doesn't play another snap as a linebacker on this team, then I'm cool with that. He stinks. He's been a huge disappointment after being a big surprise last season. Yeah. All right. Let's get to a couple more here. Robin Baytown. I listened to your advice, John, you and Sean, and I have the Texans over four and a half wins. Good win over the Jags, but where are the other four wins coming from this year to get me paid? (laughs) Well, Jacksonville, that'd be 10 in a row. Um, I'm thinking they're going to beat Washington here. Okay. That's three. Washington is awful. Um, Boy, I thought before the season they had a chance to beat the Giants. Knew they'd lose to the Cowboys. I, John, I think the Giants are a little fugazi, if we can use the term on this show. I, they're four and one, but that—that that, I don't think that's holding up. Uh, they're still going to beat the Texans. Uh, so let's see, Jackson. You know what kills me, Sean? They could have won all five games. Yeah, I'm not saying they should have, but they could have. And they and the Bears game is going to be the worst loss of the season because the Bears are so bad. And then letting the Colts come back and tie them, it makes me wonder, being that close to winning those games, will they be able to make enough plays in the fourth quarter to do like they get against the Jaguars? Mm -hmm. Score on offense, stop them on defense. I'm trying to think of who else – they might be, you know, if Miami's playing a third string quarterback like it had to yeah. Sunday, they could beat the Dolphins, even though it's over there. And uh, so if I had to bet them again, I'd take the under. But before the season, we both confidently took them to win six games. We sure did. We sure did. And uh, and 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 Rob, poor Rob only needs five to get a win on his bet because the number's four and a half. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm ha- I'm having a tough time finding. I mean, look, the Texans. Oh, are- wait a minute! They beat the Titans up there last year. He did. Yeah, they I was going to say. Should have beaten they- them at the end of the season. You think they can so get? They it? Can I think they can get a split with the Titans. And if Jonathan Taylor's hurt, they could beat the Colts. Yeah, John, this division's not good. I, I think any of the division games are up for grabs right now, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. Yep. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's get a couple more in here. Um, Sid in Sugarland, John, you know Matt Rule a little bit. Which of the open college jobs, of course, Matt? For those who don't know, Matt Rule fired by the Carolina Panthers this week. Former Baylor head coach, which is why he's good friends with the Hall of Famer John McClain. You know Matt Rule a little bit, John. Which of the open college jobs is the best fit for him? And just for a point of reference, the open jobs as of right now are Nebraska, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia Tech. I think Auburn's going to come open pretty soon too, John. Which which of those? If those are the jobs, which ones do you think are the best fit for Matt Rule? Wisconsin is a perennial winner. The others are not. Wisconsin always manages to recruit running backs and linemen. Nebraska, I boy, I just don't see it with them. I read an in-depth thing about Arizona State can't keep any players from Arizona to, from going to the West Coast. Auburn's in the SEC. I wouldn't want to get in the SEC. Just ask Jimbo. So Big Ten. Nothing special, Wisconsin. You got sellouts every game. You got a natural recruiting base. You're in a you're in the division. You could win every year. He's from Penn State. He went to yeah. Penn State. He's from the East. That's why when I thought they hired him, how's this guy from the East going to be able to recruit down here? And he did a brilliant job of going out, hiring all these great high school coaches or former great high school coaches who knew all the other coaches. So I think Matt will do a great job wherever he goes. And if I'm him, I'm going to Wisconsin and I'm going to call JJ Watt and say, JJ, I need you to help me recruit. Yes. I need you as an ambassador. Well, it'll be, you know, Penn state's interesting, John, because James Franklin is five and zero again. It's not the first time he's had him five and zero, and he's been there a number of years now. They've never made the college football playoff. Um, they're always good, but not great. And if you listen to, you know, just to kind of read the tea leaves, it always seems like James Franklin is a little bit on the hot seat in Penn State. They're 5-0 and and they're ranked number 12 in the country. But the next three weeks, they play Michigan in Ann Arbor. They play Minnesota, who's good this year. And then they host Ohio State. So this will be an interesting few weeks for James Franklin. I only bring that up because, you know, Franklin goes 8-4 and this year or something like that. Could they just get tired of him and bring in Matt Rule. Matt Rule is a guy at the college level, John, that I think a lot of coaches or a lot of schools should look at scrapping whatever they thought their long-term plan was at the coaching position and look at hiring him. For example, and this goes into our very last question, Brian and Austin, should OU fire Brent Venables today and give Matt Rule a blank check? <laughs> well, he might get fired after the season. And one of the reasons everybody likes Rule, number one, he did an incredible job turning around Temple and then did an incredible job turning around Baylor. And he's got a great personality. People like him. He's got a college personality, college environment that just didn't work in the NFL. Plus, he hired some of his friends. Friends will get you fired in the NFL quicker than anything. And if Oklahoma were open, and I'm the Sooners, I'm Joe Woodson. Castiglione. Castiglione, I'm calling Matt Rule's agent, and I'm saying just tell us what you want. Yeah, I'd call him now just to feel him out <laughs> and say, hey, listen, don't tell anybody I called you because we don't want Venables to, you know, feel like he's losing his job five weeks into the season. But, oh, you, John, that – they're bad. That's he a knows bad... how to recruit Texas. He knows how to recruit uh, the area around Texas. I think he'd be a great fit with the Sooners. And since if the Sooners were staying in the Big 12, I'd say no, no, a thousand times no, because I don't want them going up against Baylor. But since they're going to the SEC, uh, good riddance and good luck to Matt, because he's a really good guy. And I'm sorry, the people in Charlotte, the media, 
didn't get to see the best of Matt Rule. Yeah, far, far from it. He did not have a good run there at all. All right, um, John, anything you want to throw in here at the end? What do you got going on? We're going to do another one of these tomorrow as we head into the weekend, but uh, what, what, what do you got going on right now? I've got uh, a report card and observations, and I will have a Texans column for sportsradio610.com. I'm going to have a Texans column on Nick Casario and the and the young guys on the team being the foundation for the future. And then I'm going to have two Astros columns the rest of this week. And, and uh, of course, we want to thank everybody for listening to our Utopia podcast. When I was pumping it up on uh, In the Loop, I said euphoria. I heard you. And, I, and so that's the show on HBO that I never missed. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so anyway, it's utopia. John, if we ever do an offshoot Astros podcast, like we've dreamt about someday, we'll call that one euphoria. Yeah. We'll probably get sued. <laughs> do they spell it H O euphoria or is it? No, euphoria? they don't. They spell it the way it's supposed to be. Right, so yeah. right, right. Maybe no. we could do it. We could do it with an H because if the Astros win this series, and play the Yankees, everybody's going to be in a state of euphoria. You got that right, son. You got that right. All right, we're done. We are out of time. Figgy Fig, thank you for producing. As always, we thank all of you for sending in your questions. Again, HOU Mailbag. We get great questions every week. Week HOU Mailbag at gmail.com. We appreciate everybody participating. We appreciate you listening. If you just like to kick back and listen to the podcast, that's great. We'll take thousands and thousands more of you. We appreciate you climbing on board, downloading, subscribing, giving us a five-star review, all that good stuff. John, I enjoyed it as always. Sean, thank you very much. All right, thank you too, John. We're out of time. We are done. We'll be back tomorrow with a all-for-real Ufugazi version, NFL version of the Utopia Football Podcast. We will see you all then. Have a great day, everybody.